On this episode, you will learn five year-end tax decisions that are due before December 31st. We'll also go into why the SEP IRA is overused and stay tuned for the big reason I get frustrated and in arguments with CPAs. As always, if this episode helped you, brings you value, please do me a favor, share with a friend. Uh, We're trying to reach as many people as possible. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Really appreciate you joining us. But I'll give you a rundown of the two types of shows that we do because there are two formats here. The first is like today's episode. It's going to be a solo episode where we can go really deep on very specific topics in finance, tax, wealth management, risk planning, which is some insurance. Um, And we can really get into the tactics and deadlines and things like that, that hopefully are really helpful to you if you're, if you need to bring something to your tax professional, or if you're trying to do it yourself in the beginning, as you get started, uh, some of the ways that you can cut costs and and do your best to to do what you want to be doing. The second format of the show is we bring on guests and a lot of times they are colleagues of yours in the fitness industry about what they're doing right, what they're doing, what their challenges were that they had to overcome, as well as people that support your industry in business, sales, marketing, life, etc. So like I said, today's episode is going to be a solo episode. And as I'm recording this, this is the first week of December. Unfortunately, I missed last week's episode. I tried to do this every single week, but we missed last week. I was traveling to a tax conference and uh, just didn't have time. I was down in uh, Phoenix for a few days. But so catching up on it, everything this week. But this episode is going to be about five of the year-end tax decisions that you have to make. So a lot of things I talk about on on most episodes that tax planning is different than tax preparation slash tax filing. Preparation and filing can be used interchangeably, but basically the, the tax filing and preparation happens in April. Tax planning happens the current year that you're in and you can legally manipulate your tax strat, your tax liability by figuring out what you owe and then strategically doing things to, increase it or decrease it depending on what your specific tax strategy is and what your goals are. As a brief example, you might purposely want to pay more taxes in a given year. If like the next year you plan to buy an investment property or a primary residence, you might want to show more income to a potential lender than on other years where you might aggressively write off things to try to pay as little as possible because you're not as concerned about uh, qualifying for a loan. So those are just two major examples, but I want to really get into some of the things that you should be thinking about at year end. If you're not working with an accountant or a tax advisor, 
I highly recommend you consider doing so because as an entrepreneur, the tax code is very complex. For right or wrong, it's very complex. But you look at the big names out there that I think is pretty cool the way they operate, like the Bezoses and the Trumps of the world, where they get a lot of flack because of the low amount of taxes they pay. But the reality is they're, they have the exact same tax code as you and I. So we want to be strategic and not miss these deadlines because then there's a few things, and I'll talk about them in a minute, that if you don't do the right planning now, meaning December of the current year, I'm recording this in 2022, then these opportunities are gone for this current year. So people like Bezos and Trump, their tax team is on top of the stuff, making sure they do the right planning. Because if you try to do this exact same planning when you're sitting down in March or April, most of these are, are windows are shut on you. So what are the five decisions that you need to make before the end of the year? And quite frankly, well before the end of the year, basically right away, because some of them require paperwork to other people and they're not necessarily working on New Year's Eve or the holiday season. So first thing you want to decide, are you putting a retirement plan in place for 2022? Whether you have employees, do not have employees, let's, let's go on the assumption that you do not have any employees because if you do actually you miss that deadline already, that was October. But if you are not, if you do not have employees, you have the opportunity to basically do two decent retirement plans. There's a few others, but the big ones that most people focus on. So without trying to overwhelm me with all the different variety of retirement strategies out there, the two more common ones, especially for um, one member businesses with no employees are the SEP IRA and the solo 401k. <clears throat> the reason you have to decide now, you can do the SEP IRA up until October 15th, assuming you filed an extension, but a SEP IRA for people who are unaware, it's a pre-tax retirement account, meaning you put the money in and you get a tax deduction. So that's why it's pre-tax because you haven't paid tax yet on that money. So you get a tax deduction, it grows tax-free. And then when you pull the money out of a SEP IRA, you will pay all taxes at whatever in retirement age that you pull it out. And obviously you can pull it out slowly. It's not all in one year, but that's the way it works. So deduction to get the money in, tax-free growth. Then when they pull the money out, you pay taxes when you when you distribute it out at retirement. A solo for away 401k can work very similar because they have the traditional side that most people are actually familiar with. That same thing. You put the money in, you get a tax deduction, it grows tax-free, you pull it out, and you pay the taxes. There's also a Roth component to a, a solo 401k. And this is the reason I like this one more than the SEP IRA for most people, because you can choose to do a Roth 401k. And so in that scenario, we call it post-tax because you put it in post paying tax. So you put the money in, you pay the tax. There's no tax deduction. It grows tax-free. And then when you pull the money out of retirement, there's no tax. So basically you're flipping the script between the two. Either you pay the tax now in the Roth world, and then you pull it out tax-free, or you do the traditional 401ks where you get a tax deduction now, and then you pay the tax in retirement. 
So there's pluses and minuses to that. I'm not going to dive deep into that today, but I just want to, but that flexibility to do both is one of the reasons I like the solo 401k better. But if you want to do a solo 401k, the main takeaway here is you have to get that plan established, meaning the paperwork has to be signed and approved and all those things by December 31st of this current year. Now, you have longer to actually put the money in, which is nice because that's where the, the SEP IRA and the, the solo 401k get similar again in that when the money goes in, you, again, for the SEP IRA, you can establish it and fund it by October of next year, assuming you file an extension. The solo 401k has half of that. You can fund it until next year, but you have to establish it in the current year, December 31st. And like I said a few minutes ago, December 31st is the deadline, but most places that will help you set this thing up are not going to let you do it the day before. So you have to plan ahead. And quite frankly, as, as I'm, this is going to air, you probably need to make sure you're doing it immediately because a lot of the bigger, more preferable places are swamped and they're going to start shutting down well before the deadline because of the amount of work they get. So when it comes to these two plans and you're trying to decide which, which one's for you, the amount that you can put in is going to be identical. As, as I'm recording this, 2022, you can put in $61,000. Now, how that's broken down is essentially, I'll, I'll go into more the, the solo 401k. The contribution amount that you can put in is 20500 on the employee side. And then the rest of it, the two other buckets, are whether or not are based on your... How do I put this? The other two buckets are basically... So there's the employee side. That's 20500 if you're under 50. Then there's a, the second bucket. That's the employer contribution side. So if you are the sole owner of this business in this hypothetical, you're then putting more money in. That's a deduction for your company. And that's based on your profit as well. So then you would have, if you did a Roth employee or E side, and then a traditional, you have to do traditional profit share side. So now you kind of start filling up two buckets, pre-tax and post-tax, which can have some advantages. Then the third bucket, which I love, is called the after-tax employee contribution bucket. That after-tax, post-tax, it's similar in that that's the part where you can roll it into a Roth IRA. So if you really wanted to, you could do what's called a mega backdoor Roth using this solo 401k, put $61,000 into the Roth world in 2022. So... I can't emphasize that enough. That's the first decision you make. If you want to put money into retirement accounts, do it before December 31st in terms of establishing the plan. If you want to, I often see people doing a SEP IRA, mostly because of laziness. They didn't plan ahead. Now they're sitting down with their accountant and they're like, well, I want to do a retirement account. They're like, well, this is your option. And so people get the misconception that SEP IRAs are preferable but really, they're in my opinion, they're more popular because people wait too long and then they have really no choice. And so I personally like the ability to put post-tax dollars away. Depending on where you are in your business, that might be better. And I'm going to talk in a few minutes 
about another reason that you might want to consider the 401k versus the SEP IRA. But some of these five that I'm going to go over today, they are kind of interconnected. So I had a little bit of difficulty trying to decide what order they should be in. So forgive me in advance if like some of them reference the others because they're really connected in a lot of ways. And you'll see at the end how that's the case. But let me just finish with the last point. When you're in the solo 401k world or the SEP IRA world, the contribution rules and deadlines are going to change whether or not you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC. Those are the same contributions. You can put the money in until April 15th or with an extension, October 15th. So if you're a sole prop, you have the same rules as the SEP IRA. In the 401k world, if you're an S-corp, you lose a month on each side. So you have to make your contributions by either March 15th or September 15th if you filed an extension. So can you plenty of time to put the money in if you decide immediately, hey, I'm going to do a solo 401k, get the plan docs done immediately, and then you can take a breather and put your funding strategy together. I will say one other thing. If you are an S-corp, and so I love S-corps for people that they're appropriate for. I'm an S-corp, and I should say for people that are curious, I'm an LLC taxes an S-corp. That's what most people end up being, especially if they work with me. And there's, I won't get into the details, but that's, in my opinion, that's more favorable. But you can be a, just a regular S-corp as well. But so whether you're an S-corp or an LLC taxes an S-corp, I'm going to refer to these completely interchangeably. And I always have in my previous podcasts as well. So if you're an S-corp, you have one other hurdle that you need to get through. You need to let your payroll provider know what you're putting in on the employee side by January 31st, because that's when they're going to finalize your W-2. And that W-2 is the basis on what you can put into the solo 401k. So you cannot, you're limited by how much your W-2 is on what your contribution limit is. So the contribution limit is 61,000. But if you paid yourself less than 61,000, that is your con your W-2 is your contribution limit. So hopefully that is not too confusing. And these plans can get really detailed. And so I'm purposely just, just trying to emphasize, hey, if you want to do this, get with your tax advisor or financial planner immediately. And they can walk you through all this. It's not crazy, but it's it's a little bit hard to get into the weeds on this podcast because I want to go over the, the other strategies as well. Not I could dedicate a whole episode to the rules of a solo 401k. But again, I want you to get a high level, like what the things you can write down, the five things you need to pay attention to. The second one, now this is only going to apply to people who are married. Are you going to pay your spouse this year in the business? There's a couple of perks to this. One being everything we just talked about a minute ago with the solo 401k. If your spouse is on payroll in the business or getting paid, you could potentially up to double all your contribution limits because you can do the same thing for your spouse. So that's one thing that's great. But again, if, if you're going to put them on the payroll and they are working in the business, you got to get your payroll done by January. So you need to make these decisions now because if you're going to open up a plan for him or her, the deadlines are still the same December 31st. And there's a lot of perks to putting your spouse on there. And one of those other ones, if they legitimately travel with you 
and are helping you in the business, if they're on the payroll, then you can deduct their expenses too. Because if they're on a, the flight with you to go to a business trip and they're in the business, typically you would only be able to write off your flight and in the hotel room, obviously you're both staying in the hotel room, but you wouldn't be able to take their flight ticket unless they work for you. And that's in the books. So whether you're a 1099 or a W-2 to your spouse, you want to have that decision made during the current year. So there's a lot of tax strategy that you can do there. And part of that could be whether or not you want them inside the business for a retirement account. Excuse me. Got to have a, get a drink there. So that's the second one. Again, I want to, want to go through that one pretty quickly in case a lot of the listeners today are not married, but that's something you want to consider. What are you going to do with your spouse? Now, number three, again, I thought this could potentially be number one, and I'm going to go into all the reasons why in a minute. But if you're an S-corp, which I encourage a lot of people, if you're making more than $50,000 a year in profit, you want to have this conversation with your tax advisor about what the savings would be. Because once you hit that 50K mark, that's when the savings start. Now, yes, I've talked about on other episodes, to be an S-corp, it's not quote unquote painless and simple. It's, it's a good strategy, but there does add some complexity to your business life. You'll now have to file a business tax return. You now have to have a payroll provider. These things... and depending on the type of business you run, there might, I would probably encourage you to have a, a professional bookkeeper at least quarterly come in and help you with what's called like the accountability plan. Cause there are some things that you're going to be doing differently in terms of your expenses, your home office, things like that. I don't think that's a big deal, but it's thrown out there as like a reason. Some people don't like it, but you're trying to save taxes, so you're going to incur a little bit of a headache, but I don't care. I'm not going to dive into the details, but when you're picking your S-Corp salary, your S-Corp wages, you need to know what you what your profit is for the year because, like we said before, you need to make these decisions before the end of the year. And quite frankly, this one you, you can adjust in January because, like we said, with a 401k, the W-2 gets finalized on January 31st, but you want to go through and see how you did year-wise because as I'm recording this, there's a lot of people that are already facing some economic hardship with inflation. There's been job losses, so it could have potentially impacted you, either your household or your business. If you're having a worse year than last year and you're on the same W-2 as last year, you potentially are paying yourself too much. And potentially you need to alter what you've paid yourself for the year so that you continue to save taxes and you can reasonably reduce what those, what that W-2 wages, because that wage is called reasonable compensation. And so that's, that's based on the amount of profitability in the business. Conversely, if you're having an awesome year and you haven't increased your salary, you got to get with your tax advisor because you potentially might be no longer compliant based on the amount of profit. You might need to pay yourself way more. And if, or you're going through the strategies with your tax advisor and saying, well, didn't, did you want to max out your 401k? And you're like, yes. It's like, well, hypothetically, you're only paying yourself $50,000. You can't max out your 401k because you're not paying yourself enough. So these are the type of decisions 
that you can decide now and then make for next year because can't emphasize this enough. The payroll providers need to finalize your W-2 by January 31st. And you do not want to wait till January because that's when everyone's doing it. And I can tell you from personal experience, some of the big guys, you, you could literally be trying to expedite your request for weeks inside of January. And they're just so swamped that it, it could be a challenge and you might not get what you wanted done before they're ready to close their doors. The other thing that's important to consider, and again, this is where I didn't know where to put the S-Corp wages conversation. There's a, there's a tax deduction called Qualify Business Income Deduction. It's a 20% reduction on your income that I think is amazing. And it was brought in with the Trump tax code. The challenge with this is as service business, like my financial services business or your health and fitness service business, this 20% deduction phases out. It's based on your taxable income. Like there's a lot of different numbers you can throw out, but I'm just going to, it's called taxable income as compared to like adjusted gross income, like on the tax return, it's, it's actually the, the number that you're pegging this to is taxable income. But for the most part, figure out what your profit is this year. And you can go from there and then get with your tax advisor to get them to be precise with you. But if you are a single individual and your profit is around $170,000, you're at the threshold where this cool 20% deduction starts to phase out. If you're married, it's double, 340000 That's when this 20% bonus, I call it a bonus, I don't know, maybe others don't, but this awesome 20% deduction phases out for you married people at three, 340000 I tell you this because depending on where you are, maybe you're inside of the phase out or you're above it and you're completely about to phase out of this thing, you want to make sure that if you're within striking distance, that you get the phase out for yourself. So I wanted to be precise with you guys. Now, the reason I bring up this phase out is because it gets back to that middle bucket with the 401k. Because that can be a way to reduce your taxable income. And so if you're going to be within striking distance of this phase out, now you want to flip the script and start taking deductions and phase back into this QBI deduction. So you need to know what your profit is for the year and sit down with a tax advisor. Because if you're right on the bubble, you're going to do some tax planning to get this thing. If you're way over it, then maybe you don't worry about it. You're phased out. But it's important for you to know if you're right on that bubble and your S-Corp wages are going to be part of that equation. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to confuse people with this because the QBI deduction is, is fairly complex. Like the tax softwares help all of us professionals to run the scenarios, but just know that if you're inside of these phase out ranges, then you need to get with your tax advisor and phase back in if you can. So again, the doing that gives you a 20% bonus deduction. So the savings can be huge if you're 
phased out completely and then you find big deductions to phase back in, you're not only going to have those deductions on phasing in, but also the 20% is going to come bonusing back to you. So I don't, I probably made that confusing and I, I didn't intend to, but I just wanted to highlight there that this particular thing is what you want to optimize for. So you need to make decisions with some of the retirement planning or whether you're going to be post-tax or pre-tax. And this QBI should be a, a critical factor. I can't tell, how many did I get into? How many arguments did I get into with clients, CPAs that don't do tax planning because they, they just sit there and they're like, oh, we should take more pre-tax deductions. And that pisses me off so much because if you do that and they're already in the QBI phase-out range, you're just taking that 20% deduction and throwing it the hell away. Like why the hell would you want to put, take a 100% tax deduction on your money and then when you retire, pay taxes on 100% of it as it comes out? Or I can pay taxes today on 80 cents on the dollar and then put it into an account where it grows tax-free, then I'll pay tax again. Wouldn't you want to pay taxes on 80 cents on the dollar versus throwing away a 20% discount? I don't know. That pisses me off because accountants want to be able to sit down in front of their, a lot of accounts. I'm not throwing all of them under the bus, but a lot of them want to sit down with their clients and say, you were about to pay $100,000 in taxes this year because of this set by array, for example, now you're only going to pay 90000 or 85000 Look how great I am. That is bullshit because that's lazy tax planning that they do at the end when tax planning season is over because that is that does not help you when you are now in retirement and you have millions and millions of dollars in retirement accounts that are about to pay full taxation. You don't know what the tax rates will be. Comparatively, you will have... If you do this type of planning, you'll have giant buckets with potentially millions as, as well that are completely tax-free in retirement. And all it takes is some strategy to be like, oh, what, what income bracket am I currently in? And if it has a two in front of it and you're putting money pre-tax, I think you're missing ma massive opportunities. So if you're working with a lazy or a lack non-creative accountant, then... Um, well, I don't have to tell you. They're probably great at filing paperwork, but if this is clearly not a tax strategy. I get into this argument with accountants all the time. So hopefully that was <laughs> little rant was helpful. The fourth strategy, and this one, four and five tie into each other. So again, I struggled with which one should be where. But you need to figure out if you're paying your kids. If your kids are under 17, you need to find a legal and legitimate way to have them help you with your business. Because if they're under 17, you can pay them $12,950 tax-free in 2022. So this strategy is tough, even though you got to figure it out before the end of the year. You only have a few weeks left. So you need to get them involved <laughs> right away. Um, don't pay them a W-2. Don't 1099 them. There's a whole strategy on how you do it. It's going to vary whether you're a traditional sole proprietorship slash LLC or if you are an S-Corp. If, if you are an S-Corp, it's going to involve a couple of extra steps. But paying your kids, your kids, not just kids, paying your kids 
You do not have to issue them 1099. They do not pay FICA. They do not pay uh, federal or state as long as you keep them under the standard deduction limit of 12950 as of 2022. It's an awesome strategy, especially if your kids are young, young enough that they could do, you know, organizing your files, cleaning your office. If you have rental real estate, they could be taking out the trash and doing, doing things that kids age appropriate work. So even if you're just hearing this, this is a decision you still could make for the end of the year. Obviously there's not a lot of time left, but you can, you can still do it. And if nothing else, it'll get a little bit of income for them for the end of the year. And then you have a strategy to build on for 2023 where you can multiply it basically by 12 because whatever you do for a couple of weeks in December that you get them to do it to help you out legitimately. And especially nowadays, kids know social media and technology probably better than their parents. So maybe you can have them help you with some of your content editing or something like that. Again, age-appropriate work. It's got to be legit. This isn't a tax scam. But you can take it one step further once they've earned this income before the end of the year. It's a tax deduction for your business, which is awesome because your kids are clearly in a much lower tax bracket than you. And quite frankly, if you do the strategy with just a little bit of money, they're not filing taxes at all. And it's 100% write-off for you, the parent slash business owner. Taking it one step further for the kid's perspective, I just did my blog, my weekly blog on this. And if you're listening, you want to sign up for my blog, the link is in bio on my Instagram at the Pat Darby. But I would take it one step further. Now your kids have earned income. What's so cool about earned income for little kids? Now they can participate in retirement plans themselves, namely the Roth IRA. Super cheap. They're free at most custodians. If they made a couple thousand bucks, you can now put that in. Again, they did not pay taxes on that money because of the things we described a few minutes ago. You're paying your kid under 17 tax-free. They can put that into, for instance, a Roth IRA. And now, now yes, they can't touch it until they're 60. I mean, they could pull out the contributions, but tell them they can't <laughs> so, so that they have the compound interest for 60 some years. But like we said before, in a Roth, the tax gets paid on the way in. So in your kid scenario, the tax that they paid is zero. Then it grows tax-free. Then it comes out tax-free. So if you do this strategy right, you get your kids working at a young enough age, they start doing like a thousand, you know, maybe 500 a, a year and then a thousand a year, then a couple thousand a year. As they approach 17, they could max this thing out because then it could be doing a lot of work for you. Um, those Roth IRAs are going to be worth millions if they continue doing it on their own once they're an adult. And the first portion of it, about a million or so that you help them contribute, wouldn't have seen a penny of taxation. It's a really cool strategy. And the other cool part, I don't have kids. I just have nephews. The other cool part of it is you're teaching them at a super young age, like how money works, how compound interest works, how investing works. So highly recommend you, you get that strategy. And again, that would be cool to have started this in January, but January is around the corner. So get it started in 2022 and then keep it rolling in all of 2023 and really sit down with your spouse and with your kids and get the kids to do as much as you can that they legally can do and um, could do safely and legitimately help your business. Number five, like I said, it ties into number four, but it's something you have to consider. 
what are you going to do for your year-end board meeting? The reason it's cool, because if you're an entity, a lot of entities in a lot of states require you to do annual meeting minutes. I think it's a valuable thing, whether it's required for you or not. Like you could be a sole proprietorship and still do meeting minutes. It's cool for two reasons. One, and I'm not a lawyer, but lawyers will tell you this. It helps solidify that you're running the business like a true business. Helps you in the event of a lawsuit to just prove that you're doing your best to, to run this thing legit. So if someone's trying to pierce your corporate veil, it's another tool in your tool belt that you're running this thing legit. The other perk is that what you do for your meeting minutes, because they are a business requirement for a lot of people, it's a tax deduction. You're sitting down to dinner, discussing your business, you're filling out your meeting minutes, talking about what you did this year, some strategic planning. And so that makes that meal, that business meal, a deduction. Now this board meeting, I specifically think is tied into number four, it's because you can involve your family in these board meetings. So if you have a vacation planned, now you're starting to make part of that vacation a tax deduction because the family's gathered, you're talking about the business, you're getting the kids involved, depending on the age of the kids, maybe they're getting paid to be on your board and advise you on your company. Again, you have to talk to your tax advisor because they have to be age appropriate. But as I'm recording this, we're approaching the holidays. So if family is involved and they're coming to you, maybe they're coming to your board meeting and you're paying for their flight, tax deduction. So incorporate the holidays into your business planning. So you have to do those before the end of the year because once once the travels are over and the holidays are over, if you didn't do the board meeting, well, then you lost the tax deductions. So those are the five. Let me, excuse me, let me rehash all five of them again from a high level, just so you can really see that they're not crazy, but they're just things that you should sit down with a financial planner slash tax advisor. Hopefully the, the person that you, that helps you with your finances is also a tax expert. If you're, if you are a business owner, which most people listening are, because taxes is likely your biggest expense, especially if you're listening to this and a lot of the solo 401k things was relevant to you. That means you don't have a, a payroll other than maybe yourself. So taxes is probably your biggest expense. So I'm going to run through the five real quick. Then I'll wrap this up for you guys. Five things you want to worry about before the end of the year. Not sorry, wouldn't not worry about. It. Make a decision on. And then move on. <laughs> Do you want a retirement plan? If so, which one? Because the deadlines are December 31st for some of the more flexible ones with more bells and whistles. Number two, if you're married, is your spouse going to be on payroll? Have they done things throughout the year that you can now make sure they go on the payroll for? Running those scenarios, if yes, what are you going to pay them, et cetera? And then obviously, are they going to be on the solo 401k if you have them? I don't know if I said it before, and if I did not, you can still have a solo 401k if the only person working in your business is your spouse. Number three, if you're an S-corp, what are you going to finalize your wages at? Are you having a better year than expected, a worse year than expected? Are you trying to put more into your 401k than your current wages would allow? Can you, And then this is the last stretch to finalize what that W-2 is going to be. 
Four, are your kids age appropriate and able to help you in your business? It can, if they're under age 17 and they're doing age appropriate work, this is a legal legit strategy to give them tax-free income and a business deduction for you. Number five, what are you doing for your board meeting? Are you incorporating your family? Does that incorporate your, your holiday travel? Do you have a vacation plan that you can convert to a board meeting and make some of the expenses legitimate business deductions? And then quite frankly, part of that is the, the meeting minutes, like we said, depending on your state, depending on your entity, that might be required, but it's good practice for any business to do these annual meeting minutes. So those are the five. Hopefully that's helpful. I say, I say it in almost every solo episode, you've got to be doing your tax planning. If you wait till March or April to sit down with your accountant, you're not doing tax planning. You're recording history. You're filing what happened. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's critical. But if you're trying to legally manipulate your tax strategy and your tax liability, this is the time to do it. November and December, because you have a pretty good idea what your profit's going to be. So a tax advisor can run what your potential tax liability will be. And then you can do savings. And even if you don't care about the savings or you've you know a lot of tax strategy yourself. So you're like, oh, I'm pretty good with saving taxes because I do all these strategies. You should also use the tax planning to figure out what you owe because you might owe more than you expected. And maybe you sit down with someone, they say, you're on pace to owe $60,000 in April. And in your tax fund, you have $20,000. Well, now you've just given yourself four, four and a half more months to aggressively save for that amount of tax liability. Instead of getting told that in April, hey, you owe 60 grand, now you immediately have to get on an installment plan or do something because when you file an extension, that's an extension to file. It is not an extension to pay. So even if, and it kind of puts a lot of people in, a, in like a sticky situation because they didn't look at any of this, then come April, they're asking their, their accountant, hey, file an extension for me. They have no clue what you owe, depending on if you've given them enough information. So they'll file the extension. You'll pay nothing and wait till October. And then they'll, fi- they'll calculate everything. And if that same scenario was like, oh, you owe an extra $60,000, you will have get hit with a penalty for each of those months that you didn't give them that $60,000. So it's critical that you decide or not decide. It's critical that you sit down and get an idea on what you owe. So you can either get in front of it and legally find ways to reduce that. Or at least you can now say, all right, I'm not four or five months. I really got to get this money set aside and prepare. So either way, tax planning is, is a no brainer to me. If you're not working with a tax advisor, highly recommend it. If you ever wanted to work with myself, you can reach out to me on Instagram at the Pat Darby. I'm most active there. Or you can email info at Darby B A, D A R B Y, B like Apple, A like, or B like boy, A like Apple.com. But uh, don't just let d- December roll away and then start trying to do all this in January because you've missed most of the most important strategies. So hope this is helpful. As always, if it was, I would love it if you shared it 
or left a five-star review. Um, a lot of people were trying to help get more financial literacy, more tax literacy, and help you guys save taxes and grow your money. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.